1: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
2: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that
1: mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. A 69-yard touchdown. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires end zone. It's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit oh, immediately when he got the handoff. <laughs> you know, and it's <laughs> the QA. <Q-inator. laughs> oh my gosh! Listen. Thank you.
3: From the TOJ Digital Studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it's time to do Exynos Quick Hits. Normally, Joe Blewett from Jets X Factor here, the host of Blewett's Blitz, but he's out making the streets safe because this is Thanksgiving weekend, which means a lot of stuff for him to do in his quote unquote real job as a police officer in the New Jersey area. So instead, the man who runs the website that he does his show on, Robbie Sable, is here to take his place. And hopefully Joe is not going to get Wally pipped here by Robbie. Robbie, what's going on, buddy? Thanks for coming on.
2: Oh, Thanks for having me. And, yeah, we have the easy job. Well, you know, Blewett protects all New Jersey residences tonight.
3: I hope he did a good enough job of protecting the turkeys from you. I don't want to think that you went into a food coma or anything on Thanksgiving. Did you, Robbie?
2: A bit. Just a bit, but I recovered (laughs) overnight, and I I think I'm feeling pretty spry today.
3: (laughs) All right. Perfect condition to talk a little film. Let's start with the youngster, Bryce Hall, because I know that Joe was really excited about what he saw in film. Nanny looked at the numbers. We talked about this on the podcast yesterday, and I really liked what I saw from him as well. You took a very close look at what Bryce Hall did. Seems like you were pretty impressed also.
2: This kid... What you won't get is you know, Deion Sanders-type athleticism, but strangely enough, you don't need that in today's game because, you know, as you know, this NFL discriminates against all defensive backs. The most important thing is what's between the ears and situational awareness, and Bryce Hall is a kid that Joe Douglas targeted because of his situational awareness. I mean, when you watch him play, uh, on a down by down basis. He's clearly better in press than he is in off coverage, but he plays both in terms of uh situational football. There was a play, I think the Chargers tested him twice at the end of the game in crunch time, and they went to Keenan Allen when Bryce Hall was on him. There was a play, it was third and nine, I believe, or third and eight. And Bryce Hall pressed Keenan Allen, no help over the top. And what he did was trail Keenan Allen. He dared Herbert to beat him over the top, but he knew he wasn't going to go deep. He wasn't going to go past the sticks. So he, he trailed Allen and it put him in the perfect position to guard what pretty much turned to be, turned out to be like an eight, nine yard hook. So Bryce Hall was phenomenal.
3: Let's talk a little bit about the rest of the defense, Robbie, before we move to offense. I know you really focused in on the cornerbacks and particularly Bryce Hall. But Quentin Williams and John Franklin Myers have become a pretty nasty duo up front. And Foley Fadikasi was knocking guys back in the running game like it's his job, which is good because it actually is his job. But Quentin Williams with a career-high seven pressures, I don't want to say that he's becoming elite, but he's becoming elite.
2: Uh, I'll tell you what, his rookie year, forget about it. It's out out the window. Um, The kid is coming, and... I know the Jets are 0 10 I know it's a disaster. I know it's disgusting. But it's important to separate Joe Douglas's evaluation, evaluating him as a Jets fan, and the Jets' 2020 season. Because what Douglas is slowly putting together are the trenches, both offensively and defensively, with Becton, with Quinan Williams, with, with John Franklin Myers, and even Bryce Huff, to a degree. Um, so, yeah, Quinan is a beast. I'm buying him all the way. Uh, he's doing it both against the when pass rushing and both and against the run as well. Um, so I think Jets fans should be really excited about Big Q.
3: He is a rarity that way because usually when you have guys up front that are dominant, they're dominant either against the run or against the pass. But Quinton Williams has been excellent with both. And I think that says a lot about his potential pass this year.
2: Yeah. What's interesting too is I thought He was pretty one dimensional last year in terms of moving laterally. He was undersized. He he was getting beaten by a lot of, by much bigger offensive linemen. And he was best when he was guarding and, you know, defending a mid to outside zone where he was going sideline to sideline. But this year, he's beaten guys at the point of attack. He's just beaten them with hands, with feet. And if he could do that consistently, he's the total
3: package. Just like Lex Luger, right?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely.
3: The original total package. Let's talk a little bit about the linebackers. What did you see from these guys? Obviously, this year has been a weird year for them because their top inside linebacker was supposed to be C.J. Mosley, and he ended up opting out of the season. And then on the edge with pass rushing, Jordan Jenkins seemed to have had his best game of the season. Has been a bit of a disappointment, but not against the Chargers.
2: Yeah, an inside linebacker, it's pretty, I guess I would say it's pretty up in the air moving forward in the future. Even with Mosley, you, you know, you have no idea what you're going to get after two years. Uh, Hewitt, again, flip a coin. I don't know if I feel comfortable with him moving forward. And Langey, is it Langey or Langey? I still haven't figured it out, to be honest. I'm terrible <laughs> with pronouncing names.
3: I'm going with Lange until further notice.
2: I think so too. But Langie He's been the surprise. I mean, he's been tremendous over the last two games, especially this last week in Los Angeles. Um, I think uh, right now you got to be pleased with what Lange and Hewitt are doing, uh, considering what the Jets have faced at the position
1: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome
3: to the family.
2: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's
3: talk a little offense now, Robbie, and we'll start at quarterback You don't want it to be the case that Joe Flacco has been significantly better than Sam Darnold in the starts that he's had. And I do understand that a big part of that is the fact that Flacco, the last couple of weeks, has had all three of the receivers healthy. However, it's undeniable that Flacco has been significantly better than Darnold this season.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I nearly got my head ripped off by Jets Twitter about a month and a half ago when Flacco first made his first start claiming that Flacco might perform better in Gase's offense simply because Gase's offense is a bit outdated. That was the only reasoning behind it because it matches what Peyton Manning loved to do in the early part of the decade. So that was my reasoning. And, and I kind of think it's coming true. The also thing, the, the other thing too is Darnold's his head is messed up. So he's worried about making a mistake Whereas Flacco has nothing to lose. So he's just letting it fly. Um, And of course, the other part is the game plan. You know, Gase's rigid game plan is having those three receivers over the last two weeks. You could tell right away against New England. If New England and Belichick came out with the same stuff the Jets offense faced all year, which is press on the outside, single high safety, uh, disrespectful looks, cover zero, you know, more than once a series he was going to go over the top and beat them deep. And that's what they did right away, right from the get-go, and it forced Belichick to change. And if the Jets run more than 15 plays in the second half, they're scoring a lot more points and they're winning that game, you know, to to the dismay of all Trevor Lawrence lovers. So I don't know what to expect with Darnold this week. Rob Carpenter had a tweet I saw earlier today where expect Crowder's numbers to go up significantly this week, and I agree with that because Darnold loves the short to intermediate game. But at the same time, in the back of my head, will Gase's game plan, you know, keep his foot on the gas? Will they continue to attack deep if the defense allows them to do that? I hope that's the case because I want to see Darnold not thinking and just throwing the ball and letting it fly and letting the chips fall where they may. And uh, I think that's something that the Jets need to see as well.
3: It seems to me that Brashad Perriman's game is highlighted when Joe Flacco is playing quarterback. And as you just alluded to, the same thing happens for Jamison Crowder when Sam Darnold is the quarterback. So it feels like this is going to be a game where Brashad Perriman probably takes a step back and Jamison Crowder takes a step up.
2: Yeah, that is definitely conventional wisdom. Especially with Flores' defense, Flores is aggressive, but more than aggressive. He's really he's really flexible. He throws a lot of looks at the defense or the offense and the quarterback. And when that happens, the quarterback will fall to what he's comfortable with. So, yeah, fantasy owners, uh, I would get Perryman out of the lineup and Crowder in there. Um, but speaking of Perryman, he's you know his ceiling is really really high. It's a shame too because. When comparing him to Robbie Anderson, I really think Perryman has more talent. He just can't be trusted because of the injury concerns, and that's a legit concern that is the most important concern of them all. But he's really fast in general, but more importantly, he's fast off the ball. When you watch his releases, he's not the best release guy in, in the world. You know, he's, he'll never be Keenan Allen or Devontae Adams with the precision but he's so fast off the ball. It's it's really alarming. Like he, he just gets it done with speed. And that allows him and the Jets offense to creep up on defenses when they're playing aggressive. And without him, without Mims, they have no chance to make defenses pay over the top when they play so aggressive.
3: Let's go a little more in-depth on the wide receivers, Robbie, because I know that you really looked at them closely from this past week's film against the Chargers. What did you see here? Seemed like there was a lot to like, particularly from Perriman and Mims.
2: I mean, I'll tell you what, Mims and everyone wants Douglas to find a number one receiver. That should be his mindset, no question. But Mims could be a number one receiver in this league. There's no question in my mind. He, He still has a lot to work on off the ball, with his releases, with his footwork. There's still a lot of false steps. But in terms of his body, his control, his feet on the sideline, how he attacks the ball, when a quarterback is, sees single high coverage and has one-on-one on the outside and feels completely comfortable just throwing the ball up in a, in a fade situation or a back-shoulder situation, that guy has number-one type receiver talent. And we've seen it with Mims already too many times. Uh, how many times did they try to go over twenty yards to Mims in the second half in LA? I mean, several, many. So, if he could just refine his route running a bit, you know, navigate through learning how to read read defenses and read coverages, he could truly be a number one in the NFL.
3: What you see when you took a look at the offensive line? It certainly looked improved the last couple of weeks, although obviously they took a bit of a step back once George Fant came out of this game, but he had played fairly well the last couple of weeks, particularly in pass protection. Van Roten wasn't as good as he had been the last few weeks, but I thought he did okay against the Chargers. McGovern was better than he had been for most of the season. He's starting to come around a little bit. And Becton, we all know what he did. Take a look at the stats before you even look at the film and they'll match up because the film and the stats were in perfect harmony here as Makai Becton didn't let Bosa or Ingram do anything to Joe Flacco.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Nanny had the tweet of the day. He said Makai Becton drove Melvin Ingram into retirement. (laughs) Uh, You know, he shut down Bosa and Ingram and what he's done this year is tremendous that that's my main optimism surrounding Joe Douglas. I think him selecting the tackle, knowing he was going to select the tackle at 11 instead of a receiver, you know, when the fan base was really divided, it wasn't a consensus thing. Um, But Douglas taking that guy really tells me he knows how to build a team, that it should start from the inside out. Um, The only issue with Becton and Blewett has mentioned this too. Sometimes his best strength, his power, his strength can become his weakness where he wants to destroy guys and that allows guys to separate from Beckton. So instead of keeping the guy, keeping the guy inside tight, he tries to push the guy out of the screen and that sometimes hurts him because it gets away from engagement, but he's been tremendous uh, fant, Like you said, tremendous, no fant, no Adoga this week. So it looks like Connor McDermott will probably play right tackle, which should be interesting. Um Alex Lewis, I you know, is probably the weak point at this point right now because Van Roten, after a tough start, has been good and Connor McGovern has Ben's back. So in terms of an overall picture, I think this is a solid first year for for an offensive line that still needs a lot of work.
3: Robbie, can you please try to explain the Connor McDermott extension to me? Because I don't get it. From watching the film and just looking at everything involving Connor McDermott, he's an older player at 28 years old. He hasn't been any good. They gave him a one-year extension. Is there anything you've seen on film that would indicate that I'm wrong about this? No, no. But
2: <laughs> this is the way I'll try to rationalize it. This I'll try to get into Joe Douglas's mind. You want versatile? He could play guard and tackle. Um, he's probably a good. Locker room guy, so if he has that character, if he helps the culture, and he can play guard and tackle, he's the perfect eighth or ninth offensive lineman for a team. You know, he'll never be a starter, but if Douglas likes him in that spot, you know, good practice guy, then giving him a giving him a one year deal for you know the number eight offensive lineman on a depth chart. Okay, I mean you can live with that.
3: Let's talk a little bit now too about the running back position. It's been my thought that as much as nobody wants to say this out loud because it sounds absurd and it's depressing to think about, Frank Gore has actually been the best running back on this roster. P. Ryan's hurt now, so we're not going to see anything of him for a while. Ty Johnson may get some carries, but I think the reason that Frank Gore is getting more carries than anybody else is because he's been the most effective. When you've watched the film, is that what you've seen too?
2: Yeah, it's true, and and I was with all the fans who wanted to see Piran more, and he would have kept getting more carries as the season went on. But why Gore was still playing was because his vision is so much better than Piran's right now. You know, he'll pick up five, six yards instead of two or three on first down, and that makes the world of difference for a quarterback, an offensive line, receiver that. Those extra couple of yards, purely based on vision in his own scheme, is such a big deal for an offense. So while you want to see the younger guy, it's Gore that's helping the other guys develop. Um, and that's a, that's a big key. In
3: terms of offensive game plan, Robbie, Sam Darnold, different quarterback than Joe Flacco, who played the first time that the Jets played the Dolphins. This one is going to be at home at MetLife Stadium with Darnold at the helm. How do you think this will be different than the first time these teams squared off in terms of the quarterback position? What do you expect to see from Darnold that you didn't see from Flacco and vice versa?
2: I I expect Darnold to actually attempt to spread the ball around the entire field. For the first, I don't know, how many weeks, up until the Patriots game, they, th- there were moments, there were stretches in the game where they wouldn't attempt to pass over, over 10 yards. Um, other than Denver, because Vic Fangio is a really soft cover guy, he plays a lot of cover four, keeps everything in front of him. Uh, Flores ain't like that. Flores is more like Belichick, the other defensive coordinators. as well, where they'll do different things. And I expect them to be in the receiver's faces early um, with very little safety help early especially because it's Darnold. If it was Flacco, I don't think they'd be so aggressive. But they will challenge Darnold to uh, beat them in ways that he hasn't in a very long time. And if he could do that, then the game's on. If he can't, it'll be a very long day.
3: Going to find out soon enough because... The game is tomorrow at MetLife Stadium. The Jets are looking for a little bit of revenge against the Dolphins from the trouncing they took the first time around. They are probably going to be facing a different quarterback, at least for a portion of the game, in Tua Tagovailoa. Last time, it was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Although, as we saw, Robbie, last time, when the Dolphins struggled, they went to Fitzpatrick. So if Tua does play, which it looks like he's going to, and he struggles... Dolphins are not going to play around We will see Ryan Fitzpatrick Because the Dolphins are in the middle Of a playoff chase And they cannot afford to have any missteps Here so it's very possible That we could see two different quarterbacks Coming up in tomorrow's game Robbie Sabo The co-founder and I guess you would say film guy extraordinaire along with Joe Blewett. It's weird because you guys have two film guys, really, you and Blewett. And then also Nanny does a little bit of film. So there's so much going on at com. You guys cover it from all angles. You got the stats, you got the film, you got the breaking news, which you do over there as well because you're a credentialed member of the beat. So what do you guys have going on as we get ready for the game tomorrow against the Dolphins?
2: Well, first and foremost, I call Blewett the king of all Jets film. That's, <laughs> that's number one. You know, I'm just the co-pilot. Um, tomorrow, actually, we'll have a, from one of the new guys, Sam Crinic, we'll have an in-depth 5,000-word, I don't know how many videos, a lot of plays, uh, film review on Trevor Lawrence. So he did Fields last week. He's going to do Lawrence tomorrow. And we're going to really start diving into the quarterback situation uh, moving forward. So that should be interesting.
3: Robbie, we were joking about this before we started recording. And we both feel like old men when we say this. And I know that Sam probably wouldn't get this reference. But the one guy that I see the most when I watch Trevor Lawrence is Steve Young. Do you agree?
2: Ooh, that's an interesting one. You know, I I keep thinking about this question. Uh, Who did Sam say? Sam said... Based on today's players, today's quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson. I've heard that a couple times. I don't know. Steve Young, I do see. It's just hard for people to make that connection with the whole lefty-righty thing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you got Tua, the lefty coming. It's been a while since a lefty came into the NFL. I thought about that the other day with Tua this year. Um, But Steve Young does make sense. His demeanor matches. His competitiveness matches. He can run it. He's mobile. Uh, He's accurate. His arm action is even pretty similar to Steve Young, despite the lefty righty thing. Um, So, uh, yeah, I do like that comparison.
3: Yeah, The only real difference beyond what you were saying is that obviously Trevor Lawrence is quite a bit taller than Steve Young was. Steve Young was listed at 6'2", but years after he retired from the game, he admitted that he was closer to six foot flat, whereas Trevor Lawrence... Is six foot six, or at least that's what he's listed at. We will find out at the combine for sure exactly what his height is. But that sounds like a really interesting article that Sam's got cooking over at jetsxfactor.com. So go ahead, check that out. Check out Nanny's work, Blewett's work, Robbie's work. It's all there at jetsxfactor.com. If you haven't given us a five star review on iTunes yet, if you can go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, We'd be quite grateful And for the latest and greatest In New York Jets podcasts You know where to go That's Turn on the Jets Digital And turnonthejets.com